when we give our lives to Jesus, when we accept him to come into our lives, it is not just a title that we take on. We become one with Christ. One person with Jesus. But if we become one person with Jesus, what does that mean for us as people and as a Christian? I, and I think the biggest problem is that we really do not understand what exactly happened at salvation. What happens? It is not just a mere confession where you say that I, today I have accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and as my Savior. It doesn't work that way. What really happens at salvation? What happens when we get born again? But what, what is in the soul? I know people talk about your soul. My soul magnify the Lord. My soul glorify the Lord. But what's the, what's the soul? The soul here is your mind, your intellect, your emotions, your reasoning, your will. You know the soul is actually very, very powerful. I know that it's very easy to ignore the soul, but the soul is our biggest downfall. So then what, what, what's in the body? The body, you, I want to summarize the body in the five senses, right? The five senses, your five senses. You summarize the soul in the five senses. Now, what really happens in the realm of the spirit, what, what actually does happen, is that you have got the spirit of God, much as your spirit gets born again, your mind, your soul does not get born again. And neither does your body. Your spirit is born again. The spirit of God, because he is spirit, he lives in your spirit. So what's actually born again is you, the spirit, not the soul. That's the reason why you can get born again and you still have a perverted mind. Because it is your spirit that's born again. Now the unfortunate bit is that people when they get born again, the world does not judge us based on our spirit but they judge us based on our soul and our body. Why? Because they expect that when somebody gets born again, instantly they expect that the change which has happened in the spirit must happen in the soul and must happen in the flesh. It doesn't work that way. Because you are spirit, your spirit is subject to the rules of the spirit and to the rules of the presence of God. But your soul is still subject. Your soul still thinks of its own. It's independent. It is independent. Now, depending on who is stronger, remember that the flesh is also very, very, very strong. There are people who are very, very strong. They have got very, very strong senses. In the body. Now when the body 
is stronger, very active, what will actually happen is that the body will begin to control the soul. When this happens, there is no penetration in the spirit. So the spirit of God remains very dormant in a person, but the person is experiencing failure in their day-to-day. The body here is your day-to-day. Your body is your natural life, your day-to-day life, your career, your job, your marriage, your everything. Now when, when your soul is strong and your body is strong, what actually happens is that you shut out life. You close out your own self, which is your spirit. Now you are ruled by the natural desires, which is the body. Now the flesh is very active. But who is dead? You're suffocating yourself. There's a controlling factor. What stands in between the body? The spirit? And the body? Is somebody in the middle there. And that person there, you should draw that thing. It will help you remember. What actually stands in the middle here is the soul. Very dangerous. Very, very dangerous. Now when the soul is stronger, when the soul is stronger, when your soul is more active, I'll tell you what happens. When your soul is very active, what will actually happen is that you close the window. The soul acts as a window between the spirit and the flesh. It's a window. Now what actually happens is that when your soul is stronger, when I mean when the soul is stronger, is that when the soul is fed more, how do you feel, how do you feed the soul? Now you feed the soul by the world. The world and all its lusts and all its desires, they help feed the soul. So when you feed the soul, what actually happens is that there is darkness here. Darkness takes over the soul. Now when darkness takes over the soul, instantly you have shut out life. Remember that the spirit of God where Jesus Christ dwells is light. The Lord dwells here. And this is light. In him there is light and there is no darkness. Isn't it? So the Lord dwells here. But your soul, every other time your soul is fed, it becomes dark here. Now the darker you become here, the stronger this becomes. But remember, 
that the stronger your body becomes, the more vulnerable you are in the room of the spirit. Why? Because now there is no life and yet remember that you are a born again and you no longer live but Christ lives on the inside of you. That means for you to actually be alive, you need the light of the spirit. So what does happen is that you suffocate yourself when the soul becomes stronger than your spirit. Now you realize that once the soul is stronger, your spiritual life begins to die. Your prayer life begins to die. Now you are so afraid of fasting. As a matter of fact, the word of God dies on the inside of you. Because the soul has completely cut off the body. Now the house and the one who is supposed to be living in the house are completely separated. But now who lives there, it is now this one. Now, Satan and the sinful lusts of the flesh, sin does not dwell in your spirit, but sin dwells in your flesh. This is where sin lives. But what does sin do? Now, sin waits until light has been cut off and there is no light coming from here. Now, when there is no light coming from your spirit, what actually happens is that now sin in the body is activated. Death is activated the moment the soul is in control of the body. Why? Because the soul has got no control over the power of sin. Only the Spirit of God has got control over the power of sin. So sin is very, very active the minute you cut off life, the life of Christ, which is supposed to be flowing into you through the soul. So it is very, very possible for a person to be very born again in his spirit because they accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and they are living a life of complete wickedness in the flesh. Why? Because the soul is in control of that person's life. Now remember that you are the one that possesses the soul. It is not the other way around. You are the one who is a spirit and you are the one that has the soul and you're the one who lives in a body. Now remember that once the soul becomes stronger than you, your life here will be, will be choked. But who feels the consequences? It is not your spirit who feels the consequences of the death which is happening. It is your body which feels the consequences. Because your spirit will still remain alive in Christ. When this person dies, this person will still go to heaven. But this person will miss the benefits of living a fulfilled life by the reason of the life of Christ, which is living in our spirit. So the soul is stronger. When the soul is stronger, sin is active. Very active. But who suffers the consequences? It's the body. Because now demons can roam in the body. You know why? They can roam in the body because there is no light. 
the only thing that is necessary for darkness to thrive is the absence of light. So when you remove the light, darkness comes in instantly. Now the Spirit of God cannot jump your body. I know we say that is God is Spirit, so things can just happen. Yes, God is a Spirit, but remember that God cannot allow there are natural laws that God has put in place. God cannot violate your soul to begin to relate with your body. It is impossible. So for God to directly relate with your body through your spirit, there must be an access. That means here, your will must be broken. That means every day you have got to submit your will to the Lord. Willingly your mind as i paul says renew your mind by the word of the lord renew your mind now I'll share something more powerful with you it is going to hurt you and offend you but it's the truth John chapter John first John chapter 2 verse 27 The anointing What is the anointing The anointing is the overflow of the life of Jesus within Now every one of us That anointing is here. But for that anointing to reach here, the body, something that anointing cannot do, you have to know, the anointing cannot do this. For the anointing to be able to flow down here into the body. There has to be a pathway. There has to be a pathway for that power to flow from up here to here to here. So let's read. What does that scripture say? It says, as for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you. And you do not need anyone to teach you, but his anointing teaches you about all things. And as the anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. There is a pool of power that is here. It's like a dynamite. Every one of us is carrying the anointing of the Lord. This is the anointing within. Every one of us here has got that power. But that anointing has got to be channeled through your soul. Now, this anointing here, you received it. You didn't pay a price for it. God gave it to you. 
What is the anointing? The anointing is the overflow of the life of Jesus, which gives you supernatural ability to do exploits, to fulfill your destiny, to live a life, a Christian life, an abundant life, a fulfilled Christian life. That anointing is here. It's for every one of us. Please note my words. That anointing is not for service. That anointing is for day to day. It is not for pastors. You carry it. I carry it. Every one of us carries it. That anointing cannot leave you. Because the spirit of God and your spirit, they are one. They are not two spirits. Now, every one of us possesses this anointing and it is so powerful. But this anointing can only be channeled by your will, your participation. That means you must surrender your will to the will of God. Because then it becomes your soul, becomes the pathway to your body. Now when this power begins to flow down here, you realize that then you become completely different. Your thinking changes. Your confession changes. You become a different person. Now you stop being negative. Now when your body, when your soul is controlling your body, you are the most negative person on earth. You are quick to find fault. You want to reason out everything, including the things of the spirit. You want to fight about everything. You want to argue about everything. Why? Because your soul, which is your intellect, is in control of your body. Now when your soul is in control, you are a captive of Satan. And the power here of God is completely cut out. And yet we cannot live a successful Christian life outside of this power coming from here. We cannot pray outside of this power of the Spirit of God. We cannot do anything outside of the anointing of the Lord that comes from up here. Comes from your spirit. It is explosive. It's like a dynamite. But that power needs to be channeled because your will needs to be broken. So there is so much power in every one of us. Great is he that lives on the inside of us than he that is in the world. But he that is living on the inside of us cannot access us, your house, your body here, for it to translate into your day-to-day -day victory. So yes, you can be a Christian, but you still live a life of pity. You still live a life of struggle. Why? Because you have shut out the life of Christ, which is living in your spirit. So you continue to struggle. And demons continue to disturb your body here. They block your blessings, block everything. Why? Because you've cut out the one that lives on the inside of you. Why? Because you've chosen that your reason, your intellect, your mind should control your body. So every one of us, we've got that power. The resurrected life of Jesus is here in your spirit. The power that resurrected Jesus Christ from the dead, it is living on the inside of you. But where is that power? It's here. The life of Christ, what is the life of Christ? It's here. But for that life, which is the anointing of God, to overflow into this body here, there has to be a pathway. It has to flow down. That life cannot be forced to come out. No amount of crying can release this here up to down. 
because you cannot override this person. That's all. You cannot override your will. You cannot override your emotions. You cannot override your desires. You cannot override this. Your soul. And dear is our biggest problem as the body of Christ. Is that while your spirit is born again, your soul and your body are not born again. And if your soul and your body are not born again, you are going to struggle very much. Doesn't matter whether you've been born again 50 years. You can be born again 100 years. But unless the life of Jesus Christ breaks out from within you here and begins to flow down into your spirit, you will still struggle. Does God love you? Yes, he loves you. He's done his part by the reason of the cross. He has done his part. He's given you his life and his life is living on the inside of you. But you have got to exercise your own will to let that life of Jesus Christ illuminate your thinking, illuminate your will, illuminate your reason and your intellect until eventually it takes hold of your body to cause a change, a positive change in your body, in your day-to-day. Until that process is complete, we're wasting time in the body of Christ. This here guarantees us heaven. It doesn't guarantee victory down here. Victory down here is by your participation. It is by your will. You have got to accept it willingly. So yes, we are born again. It doesn't mean there is victory down here. The victory is in the spirit. It's been guaranteed to us. But you have got to translate that victory into your life, into your day to day. But somebody stands in between and that somebody is your soul. Activating everything in you and cutting off the life of the spirit. The soul here activates all the senses in your body. Making you want to see the presence of God, to feel, to touch, to hear. Making you want to depend on everything you can see, touch, feel, hear. And yet God knows that if you are going to tap into this, it requires something else. On the day you gave your life to Jesus Christ, you became born of the Spirit of God. You never saw Jesus coming to live in you. You never had him come to live in your spirit. You never feel him moving in your spirit. But you believe by faith that you've been born again and that you've been accepted into the kingdom of the Son of God. You believe by faith. You didn't see you didn't reason out your salvation. But you believed by faith that Christ lives on the inside of you. Now if you believe that Christ lives on the inside of you, that means the only way that you can be able to channel that power from the spirit into your body, it is by faith. But before you can even talk about the realm of faith, let us talk about something very important. 
faith only does one thing. It activates. It activates. It does not stir up. I'll come back here. I want to show you something very important and very powerful. The Word of God. What role does the Word of God actually play? The Word of God stirs up your spirit. You know how to stir something? Now the word of God is what stirs up your spirit on the inside of you. And then the word of God subdues your soul. Now when the word of God subdues your soul, the same word of God causes your flesh to obey. So what happens actually? The word of God, which is Jesus Christ himself, it is sharper than a two-edged sword. You know where it cuts? It cuts in the spirit. It cuts in the soul. Then it discerns the intents of the heart. So, what is the pathway? How does the spirit, the power which is in the spirit, how does it come to affect the soul and define and determine the outcome of the body? It is by the word of God. Why? Because the word of God is life and it's alive. So what does it do? It cuts through your soul. It cuts through your reasoning. It cuts through your intellect. It challenges your reasoning. It subdues your mind. The word of God subdues your mind and makes your mind to submit to the spirit of God who lives on the inside of you. So the word of God nails down your soul, forces it, subdues it to follow the spirit. And once your will is subdued, and now it's the will of God that you submitted to, what actually happens is that now there is a pathway of the life of Jesus Christ to begin to flow. The overflow now begins to come. Why? Because the word of God has subdued your soul. Now when the soul of a man is broken, what actually is birthed when the soul of a man is actually bro is broken, what is birthed is faith. Faith cannot be birthed unless the soul of a man is broken. Why? Because how does faith come? Faith comes by hearing, but by hearing the word of God. So when you listen to the word of God, the soul is subdued. And when the soul is subdued, the soul is what makes you depend on the flesh for everything. But faith reverses everything and you don't depend on the body, but you depend on the spirit of God who dwells on the inside of you. So the word of God subdues, breaks down your soul. 
Now, the more the word of God breaks down your soul, the more faith increases. And the more faith increases, the more obedient you become. And you become more obedient to the word of God. And the more obedient you become to the word of God, the more the life of Christ is channeled into your body. And the more the life of Christ is channeled into your body, the more there is victory. There are no shortcuts to victory. Faith comes by hearing, by hearing the word of God. But before there can be faith, there has to be the word. Because the entrance of the word of the Lord giveth light. So the more you are exposed to the word of God, the more you study the word of God, the more you hear the word of God, the more you actually reject the promptings of the soul. The more you study the word of God, 